This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tom Bernard Show with Catherine, who's not back yet. Andy Bear Bernard. Alex Bear Bernard Rasmussen. And Mike Molina. And we'll be right back. Special guest Ian Punnett coming up in just a couple of seconds. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. What song is this? It's uh, A-Punk. It's what? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's a weird band. They're called Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend. Yep. I just remember it from college. I don't know. Oh, it's a college, it's a college song. Yeah. Were you, were you incredibly hammered every time you heard it? No. <laughs>
Mega, no. No, no. Ian's going to join us at five after, is that correct? Yes. Oh, he's calling right now, Andy. As soon as, soon as he's ready to go, Andy, let me know what the situation is. I just have to get rid of some junk mail here. I just got Viagra and Cialis both uh, today discounted 63%, so that's good. Buy it by the crate. Yeah, buy it by the crate. Jeez. 63% discount on not only Viagra, but Cialis, too, so that's good. And I'm sure it's I'm not fake it. stuff from no, yeah. somewhere no. else. No, I'm sure it's a God. It's a, Joe from Louisville just sent me three weeks until Derby weekend. You believe that? No. Are we getting together with the Gerards for the Derby? I don't know. <laughs> well, we always do. I it's thought so you might have talked to them about it. I mean, she, we always go over to Gene and Deb's house. No pressure the on them. They weren't having a party. I'm not saying a party. I just thought we <laughs> might go over and see them. Yeah. I don't know if you had to go off the deep end about it. Ian, is your Ian is your uh, is your wife nuts too? <laughs> Wait, am I in this now? Hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've dragged you. We've dragged you into the conversation. That's exactly right. Well, I I, I believe my wife and I monetized our, uh, our our her nuttiness on the air for about ten years. So I would say yeah, that's true. Had a good time. Yeah, I have oh. a, I have a firm believer in the peculiarities of marriage and exploiting them for popular media. Well, I don't know how you could <laughs> last in a marriage if there wasn't, uh, like as you said, some nuttiness or peculiarity. Oh, yeah. Uh, if it's just mundane, uh, just drones on, ugh, that'd be horrible. Right. Right. So then as long as they're not saying the thing about us, right, that we aren't Never. droning on, that they're the lively ones, then I'm good. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not boring and droning on, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right about that. Uh, I just read last hour an article uh, that's pretty much in every major publication across England and the United States and Canada that says that uh, a third, was it a third or two-thirds, of millennials and Gen Z people are getting off a third. third. Yeah. What was the third? third. Uh, they're getting off of social media because it makes them feel bad. They don't like it. They find it to be to be yeah. mean spirited, and then just don't. They don't want to put up with it anymore. Good. Which I think, yes, I agree. I think it's. I think that's good news. That's uh, healthy. It yeah. is healthy. Yeah, just to say, look, I don't need it. If you want to send me a picture of, like, as I said, when 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 I get a notice that Alex has uh, posted something on Facebook with her family or with her baby girl or whatever, yeah, I go look at that because that's what social media is for. Uh, that part of it I, I love, but it's only if somebody notifies me that there is a picture there that I might want to see, that that's great. I really don't need to hear the opinion of some douchebag who's got nothing going in life and is going to try to feel better about him or herself by running my family into the ground. No, I, and this is you know, and this is the, the the downside to the anonymity of the social media. Yeah, and what was originally considered to be a positive, right? Which is we we heard about this a little bit um, over the last couple of weeks with all these discussions about Facebook. But the people that invented the anonymous chat um, that you could post a you know a nom de plume and and write whatever you want that that the belief was that oh finally people will start being honest about what they think mm-hmm. well yes and no you know psychologically balanced people might but there's a lot of people who work out their issues by inflicting pain on others and call it a day and that you know and they do it with the cover of knowing that there's no repercussions and I, I don't think that's healthy. No. So I agree with you. You know, it's interesting, and it, it's nothing. I explain this to everybody, uh, Ian, that um, 
it's it's very hard to hurt my feelings if I don't know you. I don't give a rat's ass what you think of me. If I don't know right. you, I couldn't care less. And I use the example of when I was seven, my father told me he never liked me. So you're not going to say yeah. anything to me that's going to be worse than that. I don't know you anyway, right. so I really don't care. But the thing that amazes me about it is in newspapers, in those handout newspapers, uh, on television, on the radio, in social media, things have been said about me personally that, that aren't even close to the truth. And it just amazes me that people would go to such a length. I mean, I don't care. It's not going to, as I said, what do you, what do you right. at this point in my career, are you going to hurt me? No. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, but, but you're making a choice. So, I mean, this hits on something that I firmly believe in, and you're welcome to disagree with it, but I I firmly believe that public figures, we we take that as a trade-off for fairly easy money, right? Absolutely. That's baked into the job. And if you're going to decide to be a public figure, that you just have to accept that. There is no parsing of that where now I'm a celebrity. Oh, no, I'm not. Right. Now I am. Right. Now I'm not. Right. And, you know, and if this, this, this comes up a lot with actors, right, who, who say, well, this is my craft. I want to be an actor, and it's not right that people should follow behind me. And I think, well, that's great, but then go work at a, you know, go be an accountant at an aerospace firm and mm-hmm. act on the weekends. Right? Go get into, you know, scratch that itch doing community theater. There's no law that says you have to be, uh, as an actor, the only way to be an actor is to be, you know, a movie star. Because if you're going to decide to go down that road, you use the media to sell tickets for you. And the trade-off is that when you let that beast out of the box, there's no, there's no taming it afterward. You've agreed to that right. already. And if you don't like it, and many celebrities don't, they just decide, you know what? This isn't for me. And they stop acting, and the media stops caring, yeah. and life goes back to normal. I think that's absolutely right. You know, over the years, because uh, when MTV hit, I was uh, a record guy. I was not on the radio at the time. I was a record guy. And I look, I, that's how far back I look at all this stuff. Before Facebook, before sure. Twitter, before MySpace, before any of it, Um. MTV destroyed many careers, not intentionally, but they destroyed many careers because all of a sudden you were not just this voice on the radio or you were up on a stage, you know, a hundred feet from me where I really couldn't see you, but people's careers were ruined because of music videos. Uh, The one that everybody uses, and it's really unfortunate that he got, he was the first one to be ruined by it, but a guy named Christopher Cross uh, I remember, Chris. Yeah, yeah, sure. MTV destroyed his career. The ride like the wind, Chris. Cross, yes. not, the, uh, not the movie guy. The yeah, no, or the kid. Or, or the kid. kid. Yes, uh, ride like the wind. Uh, really good singer. Damn, damn good singer. Right, but unfortunately, right. he was not handsome enough for music videos, and it ruined his career. So, well, yeah. Yet a, there's a couple of people who aren't handsome enough for music videos who've done okay, right? I mean, mm-hmm. who was the guy who was married to Julia Roberts for a while? He oh, was, yeah, Lyle Lovett. He was, he was playing above the rim. Yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very true. That's 100% so, true. I mean, and, or for that matter, Rick Ocasek. I mean, you like, what's the next down, what's the next level of handsome down from Rick Ocasek? Yeah. Abraham Lincoln? Well, right? and, I think part of it is if you're going to sing love songs, you have to be good looking. Like Rick Ocasek, yeah, that's yeah, a whole different deal. It's Ocasiastic. Ocasiastic, yeah, according to the Chucker. <laughs> Rick Ocasiastic. 
Uh, Ian Punnett is with us. Fake news and the responsibility of social media providers. Along with that, the fear is that the industry's lack of response poses an absolute threat to our democracy. I don't think there's any question about it. I think it's I think it's, it's right on the money. What is the role of the press in a free society? Uh, how our forefathers foresaw the importance of an independent media and how the real-world implications of laissez-faire attitude toward an uninformed public would be a knife through our national heart. Yeah, that's the whole problem yeah. we have here, is that people aren't paying attention to anything but social media, so they don't know what's real and what's fake. They have no idea if it's fake or not. Well, this is, you know, I don't think there are solid lines between what people pay attention to. I think social media is an amplifier. Right. There is still a legitimate news media out there if people want to seek it. Um, the excuse that's made now, however, is that with um, the popularity of all of this fake news, and I say that in the purest sense, that is to say completely made up, uh, news that serves an agenda, uh, news that's designed as clickbait, or news that's designed to uh, to distract uh, the public that has no, um, that has, it comes from no authority and has no responsibility. There's no way to track it. There's no way it can ever be retracted. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 that definition of fake news is what is, it's really, it is poison to our democracy because it's really important for us to be an informed public in a democracy. And if we're not an informed public, then our leaders can do literally anything, and that is that that is apolitical, you know. And and people can steal from the public trust. They can they can do they can lie to our faces. They can do whatever they want. There's no way to ever check them for that. And that's what our founding fathers wanted a free press for. And and journalism wasn't even good back in the days of our founding fathers, and they still wanted it to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, what's amazing to me is that when you look. Was the first form of fake news the rewriting of history? Is, was, is, that, is that the first example of fake news? Things yeah, that are actually taught in classrooms yeah. that never happened. It never happened. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. So that idea that, um, you know, that, that history is written by the victors um, or that history is the joke, the living play upon the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that those two things are true, but they are not explicit. Exclusively true, so that it becomes important, ever more important, just as you're pointing out, that we teach critical thinking skills to kids and we invite them to challenge us even on the things that we're teaching them. Because if they will then go to try to verify the truth of something, they may find that that process of verification of truth has more value than the fact that we were trying to communicate in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all of the myths that we like to tell about America, which a country I love, but we, we love our myths. Yes. And our myths are, are great for a portion of the country, but not for everybody. And it's important that everybody in a democracy have a, a right to write their own myths, I think. Now, I, I, because I, I went to college for one day, couldn't find a place to park, so I quit. And I also, I also couldn't stand the, the, what they were saying. Um, is it possible to go through college, class after class after class, and listen to the BS that you're going to hear from some of your professors, argue with them, and still get a good grade? Is that possible? Sure, if you argue fairly. If, oh, I mean, so I, I, so they're, they're that, yeah. they are fair then. Well, that's good. Yeah. No, I think the, but the argument has to be fair. So, like, for example, I had a student, I was teaching um, uh, media law and ethics uh, last spring, and I had a student who was 
very um, sort of on the very defensive about uh, President Trump. And I had said, I had requoted the president, which is making a statement which I find very dangerous, which was, I believe I have it quoted accurately, it's time to revisit the First Amendment. Right. And he was very interested. He was very interested in finding out whether or not we could rewrite the First Amendment to make it easier for him to sue newspapers, because <laughs> he didn't like what they were saying. Right, right. And I communicated that in class, and her response was, where did you hear such a thing? <laughs> and I said, well, it was reported yesterday in the news. Oh, really? What news? Because I listened to the news all day yesterday, and they never mentioned it once. And so began this relationship with a student who was just, who used, who was trying to let cynicism pass for wisdom. And this is where I think it's really important that we teach that critical thinking skill that just because you're cynical doesn't make you wiser. Right. And so I challenged her. I said, well, go, you, you Google it right now. You, you, I'll give you the quote. You go find it. And eventually, of course, she backed down. But that was that. That was that response, and so would I, would that, did that get her a good grade in my mind for that day? No, but not because she dis- disagreed with me. It was how she did it, which was obnoxious and kind of sophomoric. You know, if I mm-hmm. haven't heard about it, it hasn't happened. Right. And not much of an argument. That's why I, I, I don't really care for it when people use one news source or one type of news sure. source for all their information, right. because it's not going to be accurate 100% of the time. It's just not going to, it's not possible. Uh, I it's not to... possible because we're humans, and humans right. are impossible. Exactly right. We can't get it right. But right. a responsible news organization will cop to what they get wrong. Uh, we need to take a very quick break. You can stay with us, I hope. Oh, yeah. Hey, man, I'm in for the long haul every time. I like it. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to Flo boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flo is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flo's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952 954-4. 474-DOC, or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 34 pounds. Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you, too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner, and so will I, actually. It's Monday, April 30th, 6 p.m. at Jake City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's 763-333-7337. I don't mind you coming here and wasting 
just staying on top of the music and everything. Now we're talking. Ian Punnett, our very special guest today, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about uh, fake news and the responsibility of social media providers. Um, you know what I find interesting? Because, Ian, you and I have gotten to know one another much better. You you first came yeah. on the show, what, about a year ago, something like that? Or was it longer yeah. than that? Yeah, it was about a year ago, wasn't it? I, it's a blur. And, and it, by the way, who's, is, is your wife still there? Is she gone? I'm yeah, here. Catherine's I'm here. here. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you what it's like being on your show? Sure. I don't want to tell you what it's like being on your show. Sure. I mean, it's with all the love of my... It's like it's like you say, meet me at the corner of Snelling and University at 105. <laughs> and I'm there, and I get in the car, and I have no idea who else is going to be in the car at the time. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, and like you hand me a revolver with, like, duct tape on the handle, and you say, we're going to get some cash first. <laughs> and then we are gone. <laughs> we're like... <laughs> And you're like, here, take the wheel. I get some money. We're like, I like, it's like, go, it's just the second it starts, it's just we're off, and I have no idea where this adventure is going to end. Yes. But I'm totally in. That's what it's like. It's kind of a little disorienting on it. I don't either. I have no idea when I talk to someone who's highly educated. I have no idea what the hell. Well, you are. I mean, you are. Well, I am, people. but that's. That has nothing to do with this. No, it does. You're it does guy. for me. You you cheated yourself by not going to college. You think I did, or did I? I, I oh, have yeah. lost my mind. Oh yeah, no, you totally cheated because you have no idea what you and you could still go back at any time, but you have no idea how it's not. It, it, you're smart just because you're smart, but you have no idea where that would take you if you. No didn't enter into these weird contracts, which is what, which is really what education is all about. It's a weird contract that you, you decide to take a class and this other person's going to teach you some stuff. And between the two of you, you got to no- negotiate it over the next 90 days. And you'd be, you might be very surprised what you came up with out of yourself. It might scare you, um, frankly. Well, it's a possibility. What I, what I like though, is, uh, you know, talking to different people about different things, you know, whether it's, you know, Darkness Day was a very bright man as well, talking to yeah. you. Yeah. Back in the days when I used to talk, I haven't talked to Mishki now in a couple of years, but I spent some time talking to him. And what fascinates me is, is average, I don't know who these people are or where they're from or whatever, but some people get this impression of me that I'm extremely conservative, like almost Rush Limbaugh-like. And I don't understand right. where they come up with that. Because just because I just well, I heard you know I heard you picking on a guy once on the air. <laughs> I listened, to you, and I thought I thought you came off very conservative in the way you were not politically conservative so much as sort of socially conservative. And I was like, huh, that was weird. It's like a weird. But I never, I don't know you well enough to judge, and so I, but I filed that away once. So when you say if that happens, sometimes I can mm-hmm. vouch for that. There's like a moment or two. Where it's like, where did that come from? I wonder, but you don't remember what it was specifically. I do. What was it? You were you were picking on a reporter, a TV reporter, for being effeminate. Being effeminate. How long ago was that? Ah, uh, I'm dead. Come on. When I lived there, who knows? Oh, so, but, so know, it was like 25 years ago. No, no, no. It wasn't that long. It was probably 2005 or six or something. Okay. And so it wasn't it. like you were. It wasn't. So don't get me wrong. And I don't. I, I'm a. Help it. I'm not trying to pick a fight or anything, but no, I think no, no, that's no, where I that's interesting because I think there are times in your humor where that the subtext of that gets harder to read. Mm. Yeah, so I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand all. that. Yeah, that basically, you know, what's really interesting is that so you're talking about third, twelve, thirteen years ago, something like that, and then yeah. and then people do bring. Well, remember what you said thirty years ago? I was like, right. 
it's, it's interesting. Eric. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you said it, then I guess uh, here's an example. You would think uh, when Robert De Niro appeared on Saturday Night Live right after 9-11, I think it was right. Saturday at right after 9-11. That was a Thursday, wasn't it? I think. Was 9-11 a Thursday? Uh, it happened on a on a Monday or a Tuesday, because remember it was oh, the beginning of the week. Okay. I think it was a Monday or a Tuesday, but it was because it was the uh, no, it was a Tuesday. It was the first day of school for a lot of kids. So it was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. It was an election so was day. Tuesday. There were it was a yeah, or there was like a okay. primary or whatever or something going on. That would make sense. Um, but if you listen to Robert De Niro on Saturday Night Live that next Saturday after nine eleven happened, you would think he was the most conservative man on earth. Okay. Uh, sure. He was doing bits about, you know, calling. I remember one particular thing he was talking. Uh, whenever he would bring up an, uh, a supposed Arab name, an Arabic name, right. uh, one guy he called Hajit Madrors. Oh. Now, uh, obviously, mm. Robert De Niro is about as, as liberal right. as they get. Right. But in that particular right. moment, See, there, there's so much anger at that particular moment. Yeah. I wouldn't hold that against Robert De Niro. What, what those people did was so heinous and so outrageous yep. that I can give him a pass, right? Right. No, I think that. That's and, fair. And I, I think that's, that's fair, and I think that it's interesting how nationalism hits us at different times. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think that that's the, if we, and I, you know, America's my tribe, but the way I express my love for my tribe is to always be, uh, try to be as objective as I can about its successes. Like, I never complain about people that I didn't vote for, because I'm not responsible for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't vote them into office. No, so exactly. I, I rarely, yeah, I rarely complain about people that I that I don't vote for. I think Trump's sort of an exception. I did not vote for him. He is not my kind of guy. Right. And I, I do I do complain about him a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I understand that. I, I I tend to complain about them all a lot. I, I have not had a whole lot of great uh, experience with politicians. I just have not. Right. They they have a certain what's that yeah go ahead I'm sorry no I was go ahead they were, they have a certain insincerity that's unbelievable they will tell here's you here's what I found when I when I lived in Minnesota I thought the Republicans were much funnier than the DFL <laughs> well, I could see that yeah okay that whenever I have a Republican on they were much funnier they were seem much more at ease and DFL people just seem so uptight. No, it just always that always amazed me. Well, Even Al Franken. Yeah, it hasn't like, changed. It hasn't changed exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no. like really? Do we have to prove that we're so serious all the time mm-hmm. that we're just full of? The exception to that was Amy Klobuchar. Oh, she really? Was always fun. You know, what's really yeah. funny about Amy Klobuchar is the fact that she delivers messages to me through a mutual friend. Uh, I've okay. never spoken to her. Uh, I've asked her to come on the show, not directly, but I've, on the air. I've just said, you know, asked her to call in, and she never has done that. But she will pass uh, through one of her neighbors, who's a good friend of mine. She she will say, Gene, uh, tell Tom that I congratulate him on the National Radio Hall of Fame. Why wouldn't, you just pick, why wouldn't you just pick up the phone and call me and tell me that? It's just odd. Yeah, I don't know. That's know. not uncommon, though, right? No, I don't think I mean, it is. I think you're right about that. I think it's, it's just and, and the with, And half the time with Klobuchar, I think it's because she thinks you wouldn't want to hear from her or something. But I've invited you her know? to be on the show, and it was no it's, just, it's weird. I don't know. Uh, uh, I'll, here's I'll, a, wait, wait. Here's your story. It's really weird. Okay. Do you have a second? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's, uh, what was it, St. Paul's? 
days. What was it? What was the thing? The big parade they have in oh, the Saint grand Paul old days. The grand old day. Grand old. Thank you. So one year, my family and I, we had just taken on as a sponsor Simon Delivers, right? And so Simon Delivers asked us to dress up and walk in grand old days in support of Simon Delivers. Okay. Being the type of dedicated family that we were, my oldest son, my youngest son was a tomato. <laughs> my wife was in a, in a costume that looked like a bag of groceries. I think my other son was a banana, and I was a fish. And, and I, so I'm dressed as a fish, walking up and down. And A.B. Klobuchar comes up in Grand Old Day, and she shook the hand of the tomato and the bag of groceries and the banana. <laughs> she refused to shake the fish. Why? Yeah, I thought, what? What anti-Minnesota thing are you doing here? You got to, what, you, like, now you're against fish? You anti-fishite? And so I started following her around, trying to get her to shake my hand. And oh, she that's do nice. But I finally had met her years later. I complained to her. She didn't remember anything about it. Like, you don't remember a guy falling behind you just as a giant fish. Take <laughs> <laughs> yeah. his hand. Yeah, I've no, never, don't remember. I, I've never talked to Amy Klobuchar. I've never met Amy Klobuchar. Uh, it, it's... Uh, Al Franken was one of the singularly most unpleasant people I've ever met in my life. God, he's a, he's yeah. a, he's an odd man. He really is an odd guy. I think it's, you know, to be as young as he was and get as big as he was on Saturday Night Live, that probably takes its toll because then he started taking himself really seriously, and I think that's a mistake. Taking well, I think he goes like a lot, a lot of people, they try to come off as, you know, they try to show their gravitas, and yeah, they don't yep, want yep. to start. I think you're absolutely right. So, Ian, what are we going to do about about fake news? It's been around forever. Like I said, rewriting history. They've been doing it forever, this, that, and the other thing. What are we going to do? Yeah, is there so anything that can be done? It, it, it has to be done. I was just at the National Association of Broadcasters, which mm-hmm. is in Las Vegas, the annual NEB thing. Right, right. And, it, they, and they, have a, they have a conference, like a sister conference that goes on at the time, and it's a broadcast educators, journalists talking about broadcasting and what to do. And this is the dominant conversation. It wasn't even the chosen theme. I, I, no one even knows what the theme was for this year's NAB because all anybody was talking about was fake news. Mm. And it really comes down to it really comes down to what you're doing, which is not allowing or not accepting anybody just to tell you something once and then have you believe it. And it in, in social media, I always challenge people when they send me a story that's like on the face of it, it's BS, right? I mean, you just look at it and you go, that's a lie. And you, all you do is quick cross-check in you know, any search box, find out that's not true. And I'll send the message back to that person who says, hey, that, that's completely false. You should take responsibility for it. And then they say, oh, no, I don't know. I think it's true. Sounds true to me. And then I unfriend them. <laughs> or I, <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's, I don't want that. And that's not true. That's not how we determine what's true. And we need to be better and we need to be more critical thinkers about what we're willing to accept as fact. And we have to be willing to accept facts that we find unpleasant. And we can't do a tri- we can't get tribalistic about facts, right? This idea of alternative facts. We cannot get, well, that's a fact for our group. Right. That's the fact that right. we believe that we cannot do that. And we need national leadership on how to do it. And we don't. In fact, we have the opposite of that which is national leadership that says nothing matters, so what if it did? Yeah. And that's it. 
And that's dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. It's I think corrosive. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's very, very dangerous. But hasn't it kind of always been that way, that unless you agree with me? No. First of all, well, I would, I would no. say this, though, Ian, that, that the deeply religious are the least religious people that I know, and the deeply uh, tolerant right. are the least tolerant people I know. It's unbelievable. These are, yeah, these are both. These things are both true. That that you know, for a lot of people who make a big deal about inclusivity, they're just inclusive to the people they already like. Right. And they are less right. They're less likely to be inclusive to people that they don't think should be included. I, I get that, um, and I think we what we all should be mindful of is not letting that not becoming hypocrites on our own. Right. Okay. That hypocrisy waits silently for us all. So we, we should always be mindful of that. Uh, that's the first thing. So, yes. But now when it comes to how that, what, how that pertains to information, we should be much more willing to call out when something is fake and say, okay, let's verify it together. You and me, right now, let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this. And we need to start establishing some sort of trust because I don't think it's always been this way. I think what we have is we have a case where the media often gets things wrong. But just because it's getting something wrong, it doesn't mean it was fake. There are, there are examples of times when the government has faked something and or the media has participated in something that is fake. I get that. But that shouldn't be some carte blanche permission to say, well, now everybody should do it all the time. And what we should do is say that should never have happened. Let's use those as examples of what not to do. And let's try never to do that now that we, you, me, everybody that's listening as we're talking, we're all the media now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, everybody is, absolutely. If, if you've got a thousand followers on Twitter, you've got more readers than about 70% of the small-town newspapers in America. Mm-hmm. No, no, very true. Um, I need to take a very quick break again, and then I want to ask you a personal question, if you don't mind. I love it. I've already, I already, yeah, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm owed that at least. We'll be right back, Tom Bernardshaw. I'm here with my real estate agent, Chris Lindahl. And after seeing what he did for me, I asked if he had something that would help our listeners. Chris, what do you got? We have something very special for KQ listeners. April 16th through the 18th, the Chris Lindahl team is hosting our SellerWorkshop.com series, where we're going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So that sounds great, Chris, but what's the catch? Tom, here's what I'll share with you. The number one core value at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous. I have a teaching degree, and this is my passion to educate homeowners in the Twin Cities on how to sell your house the right way so you don't end up leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table going through the traditional real estate process. So go to sellerworkshop.com for times and locations and to sign up for your free ticket. The seller workshops are happening April 16th through the 18th. Seating is limited, and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit sellerworkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Always thinking ahead with the music, and you know, uh, it's got the real. 
There you go. So, Ian. Um, yeah. Where would you consider yourself to be politically? I mean, is there I've, somewhere I've been, Yeah, registered independent my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I am personally, I'm very um, concerned about how government spends money. Mm-hmm. Um, but my number one occupation is as a freedom guy. And my, I am obsessed with the idea that government should do everything it can at every moment to bring about the most freedom to the most people. And that inherently makes me somewhat pro-choice on everything, because mm-hmm. without choices, we don't have freedom. No, and absolutely. Yep. Could, yeah, so that's it. So, I mean, that, if that sounds vague, I don't care. That's exactly, <laughs> that's, that's how I operate. And I want people to bring freedom. And when I see people being excluded, it pisses me off. Um, I, I am just virulent about other people having the same rights I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I just I'm, I feel very strongly about. But at the same time, I also don't believe that we should go. I don't believe we should spend more than we have. And I think government should run like churches. So, and you know, sometimes you have times of prosperity, and sometimes you don't. So, um, and I think that that's how it should work. So there's an uh, an article in the paper today about how uh, the state of Minnesota is writing off $30 million of uh, insurance premiums that they never actually sent out to the people that needed to pay them. $30 million. What do you mean they're writing them off? They're going to just write them off because the it's it's a, it's like the Minsure thing, so it's for people. Oh, you it's know, healthcare? It's, it's, yeah, lower income people, so they're like, they'll just get too stressed out. They can't pay for it, so we're just going to write it off because we had we had a computer glitch, and we just didn't know about oh. it for a couple of years here. Okay. <laughs> but at the same you know, and that's an interesting, like at some point, too, I feel really strong. If somebody's going to get a break, I, I mean that, that. Okay, fine. You know that one. That that doesn't bother me nearly as much as if it were thirty billion dollars and it were a bunch of companies that you know that knew darn well what they were getting away with and they didn't do anything about it. But yeah, I mean it always bugs to see when money is left that they take money off the table, which the taxpayers chipped into the. You know, into the till in a good faith, and nothing came of it. So, yeah. Exactly. I think my take on that situation is this, having grown up very poor, which we, we the family did. We did. There's no question about that. And I've, I've talked to people about this before. Now, some people don't care. Some people are not smart enough to care. I, as a matter of fact, I would, I would say that two-thirds of people aren't smart enough to care. But the one thing I've always warned friends about and my family about is never humiliate a poor person because they will get psychotic. And by doing what you just did, what you just told them, not to all of them, two-thirds of them are going to go, oh, good, so we don't have to pay that. But the ones who would have tried their best and worked their hardest and tried their damnedest to pay it, you just humiliated them. I think that's a big disservice. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But it, it speaks to something which is also something we should be always mindful of. It's not everybody's the same. No, exactly. And, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a really good point. And not everything a government is going to do is going to be equally received nope. by the people for whom it benefits or doesn't. And like, just like, you know, somebody writing something crappy after you did you did some great bit on the air and somebody wrote something really mean about it afterward, you know, you almost got to figure like that's, that's what it's like to be in government. You can never get it right. No matter <laughs> yeah. how you try. 
<laughs> and yeah, that's true. Kind of stuff. Now it's, it's, but I'm, you know, I just think we should never punch down, and that's one right. thing. I that's the thing. That's the spirit of this country that really bugs me a lot lately. Is this, you know, we got there's so many people in power, so many people in office, so many people who are you know who are living off the public key, and you know they got a job to do, and that's good. But we should always be mindful of them, and that's where the news comes into it. We should always keep an eye on what they're going to do, and we shouldn't get caught up punching down when really our system works on always punching up. Mm-hmm. The power. They matter more. So when we get distracted by, like, an immigrant crossed over illegally, okay, that's yeah, wrong, granted, but when those sort of things are, are passed off and we get all distracted with that, we we stop seeing who's robbing the store. That's what bugs me. No, I understand. You know, the thing that, the that I did want to ask you because I have not asked you this yet. Um, you don't ever seem to get upset. You get you get bothered by things, but you don't get angry. You don't get upset. Do you find getting upset to be a waste of time? No, that's I. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's a waste of time. I do think how we get upset is important. So it's got to yeah, okay. be productive. And so righteous indignation, that's always good, but I always say righteousness is fleeting. So, you know, I can be righteously indignant, and then at a certain point I just turn into the angry guy at the end of the bar, and I try to avoid that, right? I try to stop before I get to the nutty guy yelling at the TV screen. I try to stop before I ever get to that point. Yeah, because I, I, I've never heard you get really angry about something. Um, no, and I don't think you you avoid getting angry. I just no. maybe no, maybe I you just don't think. But it's got to be productive, right? So you don't. It, most it, things are not important enough to get upset about. When you're let's let's ask the married couple here, okay? Okay. Well, when Catherine, do you get when? Right. I mean, so anger is one of those things. I think you have to reserve for mm-hmm. very special times in the relationship. Doesn't mean it's totally off the table, but it means if you're going to get angry about something, you may have just raised or lowered the bar on when the other person is going to be able to get angry. Oh, that's a good point. And then, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're in a relationship like that, you got to choose when to get angry. And and at some point, anger becomes counterproductive because it'll come back to you in a form which you won't like later on. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. None of us do. So what do you think about that, Catherine? Yeah. No, I think it's totally true. I mean, you hear uh, a lot of times these couples that have been married 50 years, and all of a sudden they're splitting up, and she's like, I kept yeah. on telling them to stop doing that. <laughs> wouldn't listen to me, so goodbye. Uh, that means yeah. it, we, should always be, we should always remember that. Yeah, it means I've only got 13 more years left, and then maybe she'll tell me to hit the road. That'll be it. That'll be Has it. Y'all, yeah, y'all been married that long? We've been married for 34 years, but we've been together for 37 years. Yeah, same thing with my wife and I. It's almost exactly the same. Almost exactly yeah. the same. It, it's, it's, We're a rarity yeah. in this world. We are, we are a rarity. Though. I know. No getting around. I know. It, and, uh, and, I, and I'm convinced that both of the kids are mine. But, <laughs> the, but, but, but not only have they had the marriage turned out, but so have the kids so far. So I'm feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I'm, I'm Lyle Lovett married to... To, uh, you know, to Julia <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. I feel the same way. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I think most guys are, though. I, I, you know, unless you're, I once made a statement, and he, he was kind of offended by it, and I didn't mean to offend him, but I used to hang out with Paul Majors a bit. Met him through Jeff Passel, who was a sports guy there at right. Channel Eleven at the time. Yeah. 
And I said, you know, I got to tell you something, Paul. If I looked like you, I'd be a multi-billionaire. <laughs> and he was offended by that. <laughs> but I didn't really? mean, I didn't mean it to be offensive, but it's like he he's first of all, he's like six two. He's a he's a very, very yeah. handsome man in person. Right. But it's like sure. you need to and he's very clever. He's got a quick wit, right. all the rest of it. I basically told him he was wasting his time being a TV anchor. So I guess maybe that's why he got mad at <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That might yeah. be why. But you know what? He was a really, now just to circle back, he was a really good journalist. Yeah, he was. No, I agree. I agree. And there's this, so there's this difference, and, and we should always remember it, between being a TV anchor, being a media personality, and really being a journalist. And a journalist is a very, it's, it's a nearly sacred obligation, and we, there are many very good journalists out there who are doing excellent work, Journalism is often taught, and you probably know this, but is often taught actually under the umbrella of social science um, because it's intended to be the science of information. And it's to give people a dispassionate daily record of what is happening, which is why when journalism is done right, it's the first draft of history. Mm-hmm. When journalism is done wrong, it's the first draft of the joke the living are about to play on the dead. It is amazing. Right? It is amazing. So, yeah, it's true. But you can't tell the difference so, sometimes anymore is the problem. Right. But again, it comes back to our critical thinking skills. We can't ever disengage from the people who are giving us information. We would never do that with a doctor, right? We would never do that with... There's so many things we would be more... And it's important to be skeptical. And it's important that if somebody has always told us the truth, to not take that on an a la carte basis or to think, well, you know what, this person's gotten it right nine times. So if this one seems wrong, let me double check this and keep doing it. Keep getting involved and engaged in that, in that information because that's what democracy is about. And unfortunately, what this really means is we have fake news works so well because we have very lazy citizens. Right. Who see no, no obligation of being a citizen in the United States. They think government is something that's supposed to happen for them, and that's not how our founding fathers designed it, and that's not when the system works. As we are, it's we the people, and they work for us, and we need to be able to keep track of them. And it's like we turn off the CC cameras all of a sudden and go, well, whatever, I trust them. But, (laughs) I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with it, but I do feel like... People that are in political office are supposed to be working for the people. And right. we shouldn't have to constantly be monitoring them because half the time we're not even privy to what's going on. So how do we... That's the point. So the fact is that not every one of us has to be doing it at every moment, but the citizenry does. As a mass group of citizens, we need to stay engaged. And, you know, everybody needs a day off, right? Or you've got 20 things to do. Is, right. You know, I'll have dad things to do today. And, you know, keeping track of whatever my representatives are doing is not one of them. But when we come across the story and we, we're engaged, we get hooked by a story. We go, wait a second, that's wrong. We should find out whether it's right or wrong. We should, find, we should know what we're going to get our passion behind. And when we elect somebody, we can trust them, I think, to a point, but we should stop trusting them the moment they don't deserve it. And I think this is where the fake news thing, that creates all this camouflage for misbehavior. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that John Boehner, right, former uh, Speaker of the House, he said two things just recently, once just before he became the head of an organization that's promoting marijuana, right, uh, which right. happened 
right? Yep. But he said he longs for the days when there were just three networks. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, it was, I think it was easier, it yes. It was, it was easier, it's true. And he said because it, it allowed us to have a central truth as a people. And we don't have a central truth anymore. No, not even close. Right. And that, that hurts us as a country because we are not homogenized as it is because we're all different people for different classes and different religions. And so we need to have something that holds us together. And I think that's, that is a pity right now that we don't have that. I would agree with that. Where, where, do, you, where do you live now? I live for the time being until the cops find me. Another one of these uh, jaunts. I'm uh, I'm in Tempe, Arizona. You're in Tempe, Arizona. Do you do you ever get back to to uh, uh, Chicago or Minneapolis or St. Paul? I haven't been back to the CC in uh, about six months. Whenever I do, I always hang out with Joan Stephan, my old buddy yeah. Joan and her yeah. husband um, and. Uh, so and then I and a bunch of my friends from my talk went up seven one and um, so but I haven't been up there in a long time and I think not since my last uh, book or two books ago but I'll, I'll get back up there again I, if I do can I come on the, well see now where are you these days are you in, are you in the TC are you in Florida Tomo- where are you? tomorrow at two thirty in the afternoon we're we're returning home which I cannot wait you know even though the weather is horrendous <laughs> oh, uh, we get our flight lands at about two thirty tomorrow but yeah I mean if it, but but we bounce around a lot. Uh, like that's why I ask you if you're ever in Chicago because we're coming down to Chicago. Right. I'm going to be on a panel in in uh, uh, in August, so we got to we got to hook up and have dinner one night to get to get. Where's uh, your panel? I want, where's your panel? It's at um, where is it, Catherine? It's at. Good question. Uh, it's it's a radio. I think it's called Radio Boot Camp or something like that. It's oh, you're doing Radio Boot Camp. It's sure. actually uh, it's uh, Paul Castronovo, Steve Dahl. Tom from the Bob and Tom Show, uh, brother oh, wow. we, brother Wees and me, we're doing a panel, and it's supposed to be like okay. the, some big huge deal. But if you're going to be in Chicago right. during that, I, we, I just we just have to get together and, and have dinner someday I, we'll and, and bring our we'll wives. And we'll have my luck, I'll be in the TC and you'll be in Florida. But I'll, I'll I will I promise you I'll let you know if I'm getting that way. Okay. We'll come back on soon. I love having you on the show. Okay, I do too. This is a really, this is a super pleasure because I loved having you both. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. Oh well, thank you for doing it. We'll talk to you soon, Ian. All right, God bless. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show.